Jesus prayed a prayer from the cross that to this day saves our lives, generation after generation. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've been thinking about that prayer quite a bit this week, and I'm thinking that since Jesus probably didn't speak King Jamesian Shakespeare-type language. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus pray for us? And maybe it sounded something more along the lines of, God, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And then I got to thinking, what if Jesus grew up where I grew up? And he might have said something more along the lines of, bless their hearts, they ain't got a clue. But it's probably more like, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness. Forgive. When someone says, I forgive you, it's like comfort with a little bit of a sting. It's a spoonful of sugar with medicine. It can hurt some because when someone says, I forgive you, it reminds that something was wrong, that something needs forgiving. Not an action necessarily, but more so the person. And in this case, it's you. It's me. I need forgiveness. I think we forget that these days, living in this angry and frustrated era that I need to forgive, but I'm also in need of forgiveness. I've mentioned Andy Warhol's paintings a few times in my preaching, so forgive me if you've heard this one before, but I couldn't stop thinking about this one anyway because Andy Warhol's painting, 210 Coke Bottles, is a painting of 210 Coke Bottles. And the reason he called it that, and some of them were full, some of them were half full, and some of them were empty, is that he said, you take these 210 bottles and every single one of them had the same exact thing in it. Queen of England doesn't get special Queen of England Coca-Cola. She gets the same thing that the homeless man gets if you walk by him and give him a bottle of Coca-Cola. It's the same exact thing. And it's the same thing for you. You and I and everyone else are in the same forgiveness boat. No one gets a special dispensation of forgiveness. Romans 3.23 reminds us that, yeah, we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then every day we're reminded that we fall short of one another too. And then there's this little life lesson from Ephesians 2 that ends with a salve of relief like no other realization in Scripture. Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Same grace for everyone, like communion or a bottle of Coca-Cola. And every person in that everyone is created in the image of God, the creator of all, every last one of us is a work of art in the eyes of the artist. Did you ever draw anything when you were a kid and whenever you looked at it, you said, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's like the most beautiful painting that's ever been painted. That's the way God felt when God made you. God who made you and looks at you and sees a work of art. But maybe you can't see that. You can't see it. Because you think that you can't be forgiven. Most of y'all know I'm a movie nut, and this has been such a good year for movies, especially compared to last year. But anyway, this year's good year for movies. And I, I could not wait when I found out about a year and a half ago, I, you know, lots of movies got anticipated this year. The one I anticipated the absolute most was when I found out that the Coen brothers were directing Macbeth. And then it wound up just being Joel, but still, a Cohen brother doing Macbeth. I was thinking, look what they did with, with Homer when it came to a brother where art thou. What are they going to do? And you know what they did? Straight Shakespeare. You know, they didn't set it in Mississippi. It's, it's the Scottish play. And I, I couldn't wait. I could not wait. No matter what they were going to do with it, I just couldn't wait because I've liked Shakespeare. I was in Shakespeare in, in high school, came to appreciate it, love Hamlet. David's already talked, you know, he mentioned Hamlet this morning. I didn't tell him, hey, make sure you work in Hamlet because I'm going to go Shakespeare today. It just, it's, that's the kind of influence this stuff has. Loved Hamlet. I loved Othello. I got to be Iago 
in high school, which is just this bad, bad guy. But it was a fun role to play. But Macbeth, Midsummer Night's Dream, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But Macbeth, oh, man. Macbeth. It illustrates and does more than anything since, I think, what it looks like when you feel condemned and you can't see the world in any other way. That play right there. There have been stories like Macbeth that have been told along those lines. You know, Mystic River tried doing a Macbeth in common times, and it was good, but Macbeth, oh, it just... It shows that condemnation, when you feel condemned, it's not a temporary word. You know, we've thought that during this theological world series, that some of them are, well, you're this, and then you're this. You know, it's, it's separation, then reunion. But condemnation, I mean, if you really stop and think about this world, condemnation is not something that comes to an end. That's, that's not a temporary word. That's a permanent word. I mean, even in the literature that you probably grew up with or heard or maybe still hear to this day, when you hear a word paired with that, a lot of times you hear condemned to... Yeah, it's, it's death. So how do we talk about condemnation and forgiveness? Well, you're not going to get it from Macbeth because the play is actually called you know, in the Cohen Brothers movie, or Joel Cohen's, the tragedy of Macbeth. And you know what the tragedy of Macbeth is? It's the consequences of sin, yes, but it's that one choice. One choice. And he just couldn't see, and his wife for that matter too, they both, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, they just couldn't see the world in any other way, and it ate them alive until it ate them to death. That's condemnation. Condemned means the verdict has been passed down and everything is over. And once you feel condemned, it's hard to feel any other way. This is one of the least popular of our five worlds, but some of you out there still feel this. Deep down, especially for those of you who've been around for a while. Maybe you grew up in traditions that put you down. Well, I'm here to tell you, or at least I'm going to try, that God is a forgiving God, and we are a forgiving church. I mean, a loving church, yeah. Friendly, yeah. Those, those are all good monikers. A forgiving church? Hmm. That sounds good. Condemnation and forgiveness is not a popular one of these five categories we're exploring here in the winter of 2022. In fact, for those of you who did the assessment, not a single person handed in condemnation and forgiveness as your dominant world. Until Friday, and then one of you texted me and said, okay, it's, it's, that one's mine. So I got one. You know what that tells me? 
you're hiding. You're hiding. I know you're out there because I have lived in that world from time to time myself. And it's a world where you carry around some shame. And I'm here to tell you, while this one, condemnation and forgiveness, may not be my dominant world, it is on my bad days. It is on the days when I'm beating myself up. You just go right down that rabbit hole. And you feel it, and you feel it, and you feel it inside, and you just can't feel anything else when you're there. And so what keeps you from staying there? Macbeth doesn't end in such a way that says, here's how you get out of condemnation, even though it is a morality play. See, I know you're out there. Because in the past, you've sent me anonymous emails asking a question for a friend. There was one time you almost called to talk about it, but then changed your mind. You're out there. You walk around feeling condemned by God and sin and the world. And every time you open your closet, you see skeletons. You want to feel God's forgiveness, but it's hard. And then sometimes it becomes such a habit, it's just like, why even bother with God's forgiveness anymore? Maybe God, maybe God not. At, you ever felt that way? Maybe you can't forgive yourself. Maybe you just done wrong. Maybe you don't want to feel God's forgiveness because you think it's a ship done sailed. And so you just you don't want to feel God's forgiveness because you've just gotten used to it. You've gotten used to the feeling of condemnation. And if you believe what the world of Scripture is trying to imagine can be possible, if you let yourself believe it, even right now, even this morning, if you let yourself believe that God is a forgiving God and you are not condemned but you are forgiven and saved by grace, then that means you're going to have to let go of this habit of walking around feeling condemned all the time. And that's a hard habit to break if you've been doing it for a long time, especially for those of you, like I said earlier, who grew up in traditions that told you over and over and over again, you're a bad person and you're really bad and you're going to be lucky if God maybe lets you into heaven to carry around the, the broom and the dustpan. Maybe, if you're lucky. So, good luck, y'all. You ever, you ever felt that? You still feel it? You still hear echoes of that? I'm here to tell you right now, and the, I, I think that the entirety of everything we say and do as a church, and not just this outpost of the kingdom of heaven, everything, the entirety of Christianity hangs on this one teaching, this one thing. If this is true, then it's all true. If this is not true, then we have just spent a lot of time on Sunday mornings when we could have been like hiking and swimming and playing cards. It all hangs on this. 
It all hangs on, is God truly a forgiving God that saves us by grace? If that's not true, then none of it's true. And I'm going to tell you, by faith, this is true. This is it. And sometimes we get strangely comfortable with feeling condemned. And God, all the while, and us, our witness, this has to be our witness that says, here's forgiveness. You may be looking at it from a distance and saying, maybe. Not sure it's for me. Not sure it's available to me. And God and the witness of those of us who follow Jesus continues to say, come stand a little closer to it. Even today, just come stand a little closer to it. If we feel condemned too, it may be because we've been conditioned to see ourselves in the world that way. But here's the catch. Scripture says otherwise. And I know, I can pull out a couple of scriptures, if you really want them, that say, ooh, you done wrong. I know. But... Right after the most famous verse in Christian history, well, all of Christian history meaning the last hundred years in America, but you know what I mean. You know what the most famous verse ever says? You already know it. You know what I'm, the most famous one. Football games, tattoos. Say it. For God so loved, you all you, know it. Whoever believes, not perish, eternal life. Love it, love it. It's great. You know what John 3, 17 says? We know 16 like the back of our hands. You know what 17 says? Listen, just, just try. Try to let this in. Listen to John 3, 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. And then along the way, let's not forget, when we accept God's forgiveness, we become people of forgiveness. But if you carry around these sinful burdens with you all the time, you may wind up treating others with that lack of forgiveness. You ever think about that? I'm here to tell you, don't do that. Don't do it. It's not good for you it's not good for your neighbor either. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Do not judge. It's not good for the person you're judging, but it's not good for you either. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgive one another as God has forgiven you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God forgive us because we don't know what we're doing. We're doing. I love something that Colonel Potter said on the TV show MASH. 
And I think it was actually the first episode that Harry Morgan was on as Colonel Potter. He was doing an inspection of the troops. And if you ever watched MASH, you know that these troops were not exactly the kind that stood up for inspection a lot. Not exactly the neatest and tidiest group of people. So Colonel Potter is inspecting the men and women of the 4077th. He looks at one young man and asks, Did you shave today, son? The young soldier replies, Yes, sir. To which Colonel Potter responds, Well, next time, stand a little closer to the razor. (laughs) You know, God's forgiveness is right there in front of you. So, stand a little closer to it. Amen. As you're able, let's stand and sing. Just